Welcome back to Silent Exposure. Week 12 is complete. I'm your host, Mitchell Crossan, and let's go ahead and look forward to the last week in the regular season, Week 13, also known as Rivalry Week. I want to start with Michigan, and then we'll get into Ohio State right after that. Michigan did pull off the last second come-from-behind win over Illinois, 19-17. They hit the game-winning field goal with like eight or nine seconds left to go. Obviously, throwing the football is a struggle for them, and that's going to come with J.J. McCarthy. He's a young kid. He's a sophomore. He's a five-star quarterback. He still has to develop, but he definitely does not have a lot of help from his receivers. I did see some drops, but also J.J., you can see he's missed some guys. He missed high. He missed long. They struggled to throw the football, but as we know, their running game is their bread and butter. They want to control the line of scrimmage. They have a really good offensive line, and that's how they want to win football games, by running the football and keeping that clock moving. Time of possession, all of those things go hand in hand. The biggest question mark is, will Blake Corn be healthy? And if you were watching that game, you did see Blake go down with, I don't know what kind of knee injury yet. It's still kind of a to-be-determined type of thing. But he went down and went straight to holding his right knee. Now, this was right before halftime. He went off on his own power, which is good, and walked to the locker room. He returned in the second half for one carry for five yards, and his day was done. And then they, they, they took him out after that. So when Harbaugh was asked about his status, he said the structure of the, of the knee is good, which is obviously great news because Blake is one of the best running backs in the country, and he is the focus point of Michigan's offense. He makes their offense go. So, of course, you want him and you need him healthy. I'm looking right now, early Sunday morning. I don't see a ton of updates here on his availability, his status. Not that they would tell us right now whether or not he's going to play. I'm assuming he's going to be fine. But in just in terms of was it a hyperextension, are we missing anything? So, to be determined on Blake Corum, but Michigan was able to escape with a win. Let's move on to Ohio State at Maryland. Speaking of escaping with a win, which was the theme of the day for all the top teams, Ohio State defeats Maryland 43-30. Now, if you did not see the game, I think a lot of us sadly saw the final couple plays. This score isn't really a true indicator on how the game went. Now, if you did see 43-30, you went, oh, wow, this was probably a game at some point. And yes, it definitely was. Ohio State was up 36-30 with, what, 40 seconds left, something like that, roughly. When they were kicking the ball back to Maryland and their offense, who was continuing to gash Ohio State's defense. So the Terps clearly found something that worked. Now, Ohio State's defense, when you needed them to, they stepped up. And there were some drives and some possessions where their defense dominated Maryland's offense. But Maryland's offense had times kept gashing them and hitting them for big plays. On that final drive for Maryland, Zach Harrison came up with two sacks. Sack on first down, sack on second down. That sack on second down was... A strip sack, I don't know. The ball kind of popped up and just fell into the arms of Steel Chambers, Ohio State linebacker, who just walked into the end zone. So that's why you see that that 43 there instead of that 36. But it came down to that final possession, and it was going to be Ohio State's defense. You need to come up with a stop here and put this game away. So obviously, this brings us to the huge showdown in Columbus, the game, this next Saturday after Thanksgiving. Both teams, Michigan and Ohio State, are 11-0 for the first time meeting together undefeated since 2006. And that was the number one versus number two 
42-39 game Ohio State wins, Troy Smith, Heisman Trophy winner, a game that is forever cemented as just an incredible game in this series. Not that it's one of the best games of all time, you can say it is, it isn't, whatever, but that was an incredible game for what this series is. Now this game probably isn't going to top that because of what the Big Ten was at that point in time, but this is still a huge game, and it's the first time that both teams are undefeated since then and they're meeting each other it should be a great matchup now i think both teams are flawed and joel klatt said this best and it makes so much sense after i heard him say this so credit to him ohio state has the higher ceiling than michigan right ohio state at their best at their absolute best michigan can't top it can't match it ohio state would run away with it however michigan has the higher floor Ohio State has the lower floor, right? Michigan at their worst is better than Ohio State at their worst. And that's the thing with this Ohio State team that I just cannot wrap my head around is you can look at games earlier in the season against Wisconsin where Ohio State comes out on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. They came out with a plan of attack. It worked. They dominated and they were hitting that ceiling. Now, you're not going to hit that ceiling every game of the week. It's impossible. We understand that. The problem is they are hitting this low floor very far too often, especially after the bye week. It felt like that bye week just knocked their offense out of rhythm. Their defense is okay. I mean, the defense is still a work in progress. It's not going to be completely fixed in one year. The defense is definitely better than it was last year. Definitely keep that in mind and give Jim Knowles credit for that. But like we saw against Maryland, there's still issues that need to be addressed. Corner play is still very bad and they allow way too many big throwing plays and clearly this low floor hasn't had an effect on them too much yet to the point where they lose a game now i think that could easily change is michigan going to be the team to do that i'm not sure because now we can talk about michigan michigan can't throw the ball now do they have some wrinkles are they going to make it easy set up plays some short to intermediate throws, some out routes, some slants for JJ. Sure, I'm sure they will. But hand in hand, here we go. We talked about this earlier. It also depends on the health of Blake Corum. Let's just say he's like 80%. He's good enough to go, but he doesn't have his pop there. He's not able to fight for extra yardage. And if Ohio State is able to key in on him and keep him at bay while he's not 100%, now you're putting the game on the back of your five-star sophomore quarterback who has some questions when it comes to his accuracy now it's not that he won't be able to do anything through the air versus Ohio State like I mentioned Ohio State's corners are playing at a pretty low level right now and it's not looking good in their secondary but I just have questions about JJ I mean we've seen JJ just miss guys miss throws and he's had some drops yesterday so I'm not going to look at the overall numbers because you have to take into account the balls that were just hitting these guys in the hands. But late in the game, he had a third and long. He had a tight end wide open crossing route over the middle and just missed him. And that was the game right there. That was going to be it, and he missed him. And if you do that against Ohio State, they're not going to be as forgiving. Now I'm going to make my way west and talk about the Pac-12 for a little bit. So the Pac-12 is still alive in their playoff hopes. USC escapes UCLA 48-45 not much of an escape really it's just two good teams going at it two 
pretty similar teams, balanced teams in terms of when you compare the teams to each other. Maybe not balanced in, you know, the matter of defensively and offensively. But USC was able to get the win, and Caleb Williams is playing himself into this Heisman race, everybody. C.J. Stroud's trying to lose it, it feels like. He had one touchdown pass, C.J. did, yesterday. And Caleb Williams had like 500 yards or something that he accounted for. So keep an eye on Caleb here. I mean, the Heisman race is still wide open as we enter the final couple of weeks where you can vote if you have a vote. Pac-12 is still alive in the CFP, and USC has clinched a spot in the Pac-12 championship game. Now, depending on who they play, there's like a three-way tie kind of. Not actual tie, but you have Oregon, who is and 7-1 in conference play, 9-2 overall. Washington, who beat Oregon, who is six and two in conference play, nine and two overall, and then you have Utah, who is six and two in conference play, eight and three overall. Even though Utah did lose last night to Oregon, Utah is not completely out of this Pac-12 race. It's kind of a mess. It's like the Big Ten West, and I'm not going to spend too much time going over. Well, Utah gets in if they beat Colorado, if Washington loses to Washington State. I'm not going to go through all those crazy scenarios, but just know that with TCU winning and Tennessee losing and we'll get to Tennessee next man I mean USC could sneak in here and if they beat Notre Dame next week which is not going to be an easy game because Notre Dame likes to play spoiler but if they beat Notre Dame that's a good ranked win they win the Pac-12 one loss conference champ with a fairly good resume man I don't know how you keep them out okay let's go SEC next and I just want to briefly spend some time talking about Tennessee getting destroyed by South Carolina. South Carolina 63, Tennessee 38. I was at a dinner party. I didn't even see this game. I saw the score at halftime and I'm like, okay, okay, let me check it again later. And then as we're leaving, I go, wow. Okay, so Tennessee's done. They are officially out. Their invite to the playoff has been revoked. It got lost in the mail. Sorry, you are not making your way to the big dance. It's been very clear that their pass defense has been awful all year long, but Spencer Rattler just lit them up. And Tennessee, you scored 38. I mean, you can't ask for much more than that. But it, it truly is incredible when a team scores 38, yet they still got blown out. And to be honest, there's not a whole lot else going on with the SEC. So the SEC is not going to get two teams in. Alabama's out. Tennessee's out. You could say, hey, two loss LSU, if they beat Georgia, they're going to get in. That would just be a mess. And I mentioned that earlier in one of our videos that we posted on social media. Could you imagine just the hell that would rain down? And what an absolute disaster if LSU did beat Georgia. Now, I think a lot of people would say, well, Mitchell, it's actually pretty easy. SEC champ gets in. Doesn't matter if they have two losses. If LSU beat Georgia, the best team in the country, they are proving that they deserve to get in. And maybe that is the case, right? Maybe that is correct. But if we're going to assume that, let's just say USC wins out, TCU wins out, and then Ohio State or Michigan win out, Ohio State or Michigan, one of those teams, whoever wins out, isn't going to be left out. And then undefeated TCU probably wouldn't be left out either. USC would not be happy because guess what? If LSU beats Georgia, LSU gets in and Georgia still gets in. And the team that is still on the outside looking in would probably be USC. LSU's cute. They're cute. They beat Bama. Turns out Alabama isn't that good. 
I don't think they're a match for Georgia. Now, Georgia didn't look great. I think they beat Kentucky, what, 16-6 to yesterday? So, uh, you know, they're also kind of cruising. I think, I think they have Georgia Tech next week, too. So they're on cruise control, and they're not going to lose next week. But at the very least, you can get a sense for how good this LSU team is, and let's see how they match up against Georgia in the SEC Championship. Okay, two more teams here really quickly before we close out this episode. Let's go to the Big 12. TCU escapes. Again, that's the theme of the day. Escapes with the win over Baylor 29-28. If you saw the end of that game, you know TCU was out of timeouts. They were driving down the field. They ran the ball. I don't know on what down. doesn't matter what down it is because they just need the field goal to win. Ran the ball with like 20 seconds left or maybe, maybe even more than that. It might have been more than that. Ran the ball. Got the field goal unit out there quickly, knocked it down, and it was just, it was mayhem. Now, I'll just say this about TCU. Good teams win games, right? They wouldn't be undefeated if they weren't a good team. Are they a great team? I don't think so. And maybe they proved me wrong. Maybe they do. Because a lot of people have mixed feelings about TCU. Now, some of those people, of course, were Tennessee fans, and Tennessee is now out. There's literally nothing Tennessee can do to make their way into the CFP. Maybe next year. Probably not next year, but good luck. That's the point. TCU has had multiple come-from-behind wins, and they're able to win these games when I think, nope, this is the time that they're actually going to lose. But then you come back and say, look, they came back and won. Like, good teams find a way to win games. And I'm just, I still can't wrap my head around TCU and if they go undefeated and win the Pig 12, they are 100% deserving to get in. Okay, last team. Let's discuss Notre Dame. So they beat Boston College 44-0. Whatever. Boston College sucks. <laughs> That's not, not much here. Notre Dame has definitely turned around their season. And they're not a great team, but they're actually looking decent. And Marcus Freeman's doing a pretty good job as a first-year head coach. They play USC next weekend. Notre Dame could play spoiler to USC and their college football playoff hopes. And that would be the end of the Pac-12 college football playoff chances for this season. USC is the only team that only has one loss. And finishing the regular season with a Notre Dame team, kind of a pesky, you know, not really sure what you're getting out of Notre Dame especially at this point in the year. Notre Dame has nothing to lose. Nothing. USC has a lot to lose. Now, if USC beats Notre Dame, they still have to beat whoever they're going to play in the Pac-12 championship, and that would be tough. But this is a stretch that the Trojans have to run through, and this is why it would just add to their resume, and they would have a very compelling argument to make the playoff. And it looks like they're probably going to get in if they win out and if they win the Pac-12. Okay, that is going to do it for today's episode of SE. You can follow us on our social medias at Silent Exposure on everything except Twitter. That is at Silent Expose. We're doing it, people. We are nearing the end of the college football regular season. Come back to us this time next week after all the rivals have played each other. And look, Ohio State-Michigan. I mean, that's going to be the game of the week, right? So get eyeballs on that. Let's see who's the true king in the Big Ten this year. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Bucks.